There is an event that begins, I believe, today. It begins today, and it's going to be really having parts of it take place all around the world. Do you know what that event is? It's the World Cup. That's right. It's the World Cup. And no, that's not this massive thing that people drink out of from all parts of the world. It is, it is um, soccer. It's soccer. And it's probably the biggest event worldwide of the year. We're all familiar with watching the crowds throughout other nations as they uh, have the matches there and the enthusiasm uh, and excitement that the different uh, nations have as they as their home team from their nation participate in the World Cup. Do you know how many times the United States soccer team has won the World Cup? That would be zero. Yeah, that, that would be zero. Uh, I'm sure part of that is my fault because I didn't really know soccer existed until I was probably an adult. And I remember my experience with soccer was when I was in junior high at Dwight Junior High School in San Antonio, uh, the coaches would have us play, play soccer when they were mad at us. And what soccer was for us junior high boys back then was just run back and forth across the football field for an hour. They said there was a soccer ball in there somewhere. I was really small. I never saw it. All I tried to do was stay alive for that hour. And, and that was my experience with soccer. Uh, my children and uh, our children here in this church, our young adults, they're all very, very, very familiar with soccer and very good at it and very active in it. And I thought about that this week as the World Cup is beginning and I'm rooting for the U.S. team. This could be the year. You know, we had the miracle on ice in 1980 uh, with hockey in the Olympics. So why not have the miracle on uh, the field uh, in, in uh, 2022? That would be in 2023. That would be pretty awesome. Um, but I did see something on Twitter this week. This man wrote this. My minister is excited about the World Cup starting today. He wants to watch somebody else struggle to make three points in 90 minutes for a change. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. My sermons are mostly under 30 minutes. There's a couple that are over, but not very many. And sometimes there might be three points, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, today we're making points from Ephesians chapter 6. And this incredible statement about the spiritual battle that we're in, that Paul has been talking about throughout the book of Ephesians, and the armor of God that allows us to be prepared for this battle. I achieved the rank of life in uh, the Boy Scouts, and of course the Boy Scout motto is what? Be prepared, be prepared. And as Kelly said, Sometimes we, even though we have all of that armor at our disposal, we fail to take advantage of it and to put it on and to have it with us and to be ready to use it and to be protected by it. We are in a battle for people's eternal souls, ours and others. And the battle belongs to whom? The battle belongs to the Lord. It's a battle and a war, actually, that's already been won. 
And in that sense, the war is over. But at the same time, there are still battles that are taking place. As long as we are alive in this world, we still experience those battles. And we are still in need of that spiritual armor. The battle belongs to the Lord, just as our shepherd Grant uh, Knight shared during our shepherd's prayer time. There is that that sense where the battle is, can be internal or it can be external. And the external ones may be easier. None of them is easy. But the internal ones seem to be especially hard. And I think that's where Satan really tries to turn us away from God and win the battle. We are in a battle for people's eternal souls, ours and others. Our desire is that no matter what Satan throws at us, each person can say this, I'm still standing. Much of what we sang earlier from Ephesians 6 in that great old hymn, Soldiers of Christ Arise, talks about being able to stand. Through it all, at the end of it all, to be able to say, I'm still standing, In spite of everything that Satan has thrown at me, in spite of all of those fiery darts, in spite of all of those difficulties, in spite of all of the questions and the doubts and the low moments, I'm still standing. Paul made that great statement at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4. I've I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. He could have said, I'm still standing. God wants us to remain standing for Him in this battle. And for us to be able to say that, for that to be true, we have to be prepared for Satan's attacks. And so as we end this series from the book of Ephesians, blessed to bless, we're hearing the call to be prepared For the spiritual battles, internal and external, whatever they might be, to be prepared for those battles by having and taking on the spiritual armor of God. We are in a spiritual battle, so we must put on spiritual armor, the full armor of God. And that word panoply, that's what that means, the full armor of God. It shows up in that hymn, Soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on. Stand then in his great might with all his strength endued, but take to arm you for the fight, what? The panoply of God. But take to arm you for the fight, the full armor of God. Since we're in a spiritual battle, we must put on spiritual armor. The armor around us, it just won't be enough. As we talk about soldiers and fighting and battles today, we realize that that armor and those weapons, they change with time and technology and invention. But the spiritual armor that we have for our spiritual battle is timeless. And it is just as effective for us today as it was when Paul enumerated these things to the church at Ephesus. This spiritual armor is spoken of in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. And pray, verse 18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, the apostle himself writes, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. He was in jail as he wrote this. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. We are to be prepared for the spiritual battle, and the only way that we can be prepared is to put on the spiritual full armor of God. And so let's go through this list and talk about each of these very briefly. First of all, the belt of truth. Some have said that that's exactly where it starts because the belt holds everything together and in place. And it's interesting that the very first thing that Paul enumerates here is truth. Truth. Not your truth, not my truth, not the truth of the culture of the day, but the truth. The belt of truth. Jesus himself saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He came to uh, demonstrate to us and to bring to us grace and truth. We first of all put on the belt of truth that holds everything together. Without it, it's all chaos. Without the Word of God, the truth of God's Word, then we're left totally on our own. And anything goes, and everything goes. And it's far from the teaching of Scripture and the will of God. Secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate obviously is protecting us. That breastplate protects us. It it protects our 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 heart. Because if that if that uh, enemy shoots at us or hits us or does something to damage our heart, then we are it's a fatal blow. And so we put on the breastplate of righteousness. That righteousness that comes from God. Paul talks about it in, in Romans chapter 3 and in Philippians 3 and in other places. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. It's that breastplate of righteousness. It's not my own righteousness, but it's the righteousness of God. He had talked about that earlier as well in Ephesians chapter 2. Even though when we were dead in our sins, God made us alive through Christ. It is by grace you have been saved through the response of faith, the breastplate of righteousness. 
Next, we look at the foot armor. The foot armor. How important is it to have the right shoes? <laughs> if you're on a, on watching the uniforms of these uh, soccer players, then you'll notice that they're, they're very specific. Everything is meticulously planned and designed and used to bring out the best effect for that team member. And that includes the shoes, the foot armor. For the Roman soldiers of the first century, they would have to do a lot of walking. And so protecting their feet was absolutely vital. That's true of soldiers today as well. And it's true of all of us. One of the most difficult uh, surgeries to get over and to recover from is surgery that involves your feet. These feet are to be ready to spread the gospel. In fact, Paul would write to the Romans and he would tell them, how beautiful are the feet of those who spread the good news, who share this word and this love of Christ with others. Next is the shield of faith. And the shield of faith is meant to quench, not just to, to stop the darts from flying at us, but the fiery darts. They would, they would light their arrows and they would shoot them. And so there had to be something on that shield to keep it from catching fire as well. But the shield of faith is able to quench the fiery darts that Satan shoots at us. God doesn't keep him from shooting us at them, nor does he keep some of them from hitting that shield. But if we have that faith that is talked about in Hebrews 11 and other places, that trust in God, then that shield of faith will see us through. Next is the helmet of salvation, that great salvation that we have. Of course, the helmet is protecting the head. And more and more we're seeing sports being concerned about head injuries, and rightly so, I think. And you look at that helmet of salvation and you realize that it's protecting our heads, it's protecting our brain. And that helmet of salvation is what we have through Jesus Christ as we celebrate it up here, the Lord's Supper. As Stan led us to and reminded us to, to remember and to consider and evaluate and, and discern, re think about that great sacrifice for us that brought about our salvation. It's that that we trust for our salvation. Not ourselves, not our own good deeds. We fail there. But the great news of the gospel is that Jesus has died for our sins. His blood is enough. Some of us were looking at Jeremiah 31 and the promise that looked ahead to that time when God would make a new covenant with His people. And He would write His law and His word in our hearts and in our minds. And we would know the Lord and He would be our God and we would be His people that comes through salvation in Jesus Christ. It comes by believing in that sacrifice of Jesus, turning away from our lives of sin. That's repent, that's changing. Not doing it perfectly, but getting on a different path. And that path is toward Jesus. Confessing that this is what we want to do, that this is our faith and being baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. It is by grace that we have been saved through the response of faith. And that is the response of faith that enables us to have and wear that helmet of salvation.
And then the one offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which he tells us is the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 reminds us that that Word of God is, is sharp and it's able to discern and able to cut into ourselves, our souls, to get deep inside of us to know that truth. When Jesus himself was facing the fiery darts of Satan, he responded with three words. Do you remember? It is written. It is written. And that's how he responded to the attacks of Satan during those times when he was especially, specifically, directly tempted by him. It is written. He drew his sword. He drew the word of God. We must as well not leave it in its sheath, not leave it at home on the shelf or buried somewhere in our apps on our phone, but open that word up. Take that spirit out. Let it be seen by others. Let it be a reminder to us that the battle belongs to the Lord. And the word of God communicates us that great victory. Finally, the last of the armor of God that's listed here anyway is prayer. And that's good battlefield communication. <laughs> we all know how important that, uh, that command center is to be able to make the decisions and to communicate that to the others. We all know the importance of those that are out there in the trenches, in the battle, to be able to communicate to that center what's going on right here, right now. And what decisions do we need to make to, to make sure that victory is a possibility and becomes a reality. Even in uh, football games and baseball games and others, you see them communicating all the time with each other to know exactly what's going on in the field and to know exactly what direction needs to happen from here. Even though he was an apostle of God, Paul said, pray for me. Pray for me. We are in a spiritual battle, so we must put on spiritual armor, the full armor of God. Over the last two months, Ephesians has shown us that we are blessed to bless. We are blessed to bless. We have looked at several different words and been able to make several important statements from them. Chosen, first of all. We are chosen by God. And so I have value because God has chosen me. Saved. We are saved through the blood of Christ. And so we can say, I am forgiven. We are diverse. We are diverse. Ephesians acknowledges that. And so we can say, I belong. We're from different ethnic backgrounds, economic backgrounds. All of those things are true. But we all belong together as a part of this family. Prayer. I talk to God. It's just amazing to me. That we can talk to God. And as you've heard me say many times, the most powerful statement of Scripture calling on us to pray is two simple words. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. I talk to God. Prayer. United. I am part of a group. And yes, this group is very different. It has different skills, different talents, different abilities, different interests. But all of those are able to form one body together, one body and many members. And aren't we thankful that we're not all the same? 
so that God can use us to reach anyone that's out there. Anyone that could come here could find someone that they can have common things involved with and to be able to feel like they are united. They are a part of the group. Family. I am loved and respected. Ephesians calls on us to to feel the blessing of God in our families and to be that blessing with each other. To help each other feel loved and respected. Job, we spoke of that last week. We all have a job. We all have school or work or home or community involvement or something that takes up a lot of our time during the week. That's your calling. I have a calling. Whatever that is, wherever that is, whatever that role is, I have a calling. And then finally, today is prepared. I'm still standing. This great book ends with these words, Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Ephesians 6 verse 24. That undying love that is incorruptible. Nothing can corrupt it. It's imperishable. It will not die. It's unchangeable. Other than perhaps growing in that love that we have for Christ and for each other. Paul ends the letter saying, Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And Satan will try everything he can to kill it. But with the full armor of God, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. And I'm helping others to stand as well. I am blessed to bless. It doesn't stop with you. It doesn't stop with me. We are called to accept that blessing from the Lord and to share it with others. Though there are still battles being fought, Christ has already won the spiritual war. And with the full armor of God, I'm prepared for whatever Satan throws at me. I'm still standing. I hope you can say that today. I hope when you sang these words that it's true and it's from the heart and it's a reality for you. That having all things done and all your conflicts past, you may or come through Christ alone and stand entire at last we can help you to stand today come as we stand ourselves and sing